Joyce himself often compared his fiction to opera particularly. And I think that it's almost instinctive, but I think it's also strategic in The Dead that the extraordinary prominence of music reflects the reliance on a kind of musical structure. Music echoes throughout The Dead, from the piano playing at the party to the conversation about Italian opera and Dublin music halls over dinner. Miss Julia Morkin, who still leads the choir in Adam and Eve's church, sings Arrayed for the Bridal, while her niece, Mary Jane, the piano teacher, gives a recital. The guests dance to waltzes, marches, and swap notes on concerts they have seen over the Christmas. There is a well-known tenor, Bartel Darcy, among the guests, but his voice isn't up to singing. Until that moment when the guests are nearly all gone, and he half sings The Lass of Ockram. If you'll be the lass of the song that captures Greta Conroy as she walks down the stairway and prompts her husband to observe that if he was a painter, he would call it distant music. Professor Harry White compares the dead to an operatic score. All the way through the story, there is this almost ghostly presence of Bartle Darcy, who is not really a central character until he sings. He's refused to sing because he's feeling off voice or he's hoarse or whatever. But when he does sing, he sings off stage. Now that in itself is a very operatic gesture. Very often in opera, something will happen off stage which has a huge impact on the characters who are on stage. And that song, of course, only becomes centre stage when Greta and Gabriel are back in the hotel. Joyce stage manages the music in a way that's very closely analogous to the behaviour of Italian opera, and particularly because of the notion of a dead lover informing both the song and countless plots in Italian opera. The impact in Joyce's mind, and he was very conscious of this, and so was his brother Stanislaus, is almost equivalent to the difference between the bustle of an opening operatic chorus and the concentrated lyricism of an aria. And I think it's that trajectory, that movement, from what Stanislaus called the comedy of the supper table to the solo and silence of the scenes in the Gresham Hotel that give the story such an impact. Indeed, the dead in the story get the best songs and even have the best voices, according to Declan Kybert and Harry White. You see that in the story. The good singers are always the dead singers, or the past seems to have a more vibrant culture than the present moment does. And there's a sense of forever living in the aftermath of greatness. And I suppose Joyce was both attracted by that. I mean, he was a lover of 19th century Irish music, which was filled with this notion of past greatness. Bartle Darcy's a little bit discomforted by that, and he says, well, I think there are probably as good singers around now as, as there were then. There are references to Giulini and Trebelli and so on. These are singers from the 1870s rather than from the turn of the century. So already the musical references are imbued with nostalgia of something that has gone and may not come back, which is also, of course, setting the scene for when Darcy finally sings The Lass of Ockram. So that the very last thing you expect is an Irish traditional song. It's the very last thing because of the, the emphasis that's being placed on opera and on, on Europe. But I think that Joyce's approach to this sort of ghostly presence from the West is so operatic. It's one of the miracles of the story 
between the operatic resonances, all the talk about the singers, all the talk about Donizetti, the performance of Bellini, all of the music that leads up to it, and the arresting purity of the song. One of the reasons I think that Joyce is able to manage that so skillfully is that the song is performed by Darcy. So the fact that the Irish song comes through the agency of this present-day artist is a miraculous sort of reconciliation, as it were, between the two musical agents, between the European and the, the native Irish. James Joyce was himself a talented tenor, loved opera and both sang and played the guitar at social gatherings. His father was a very gifted amateur tenor and he ensured that the children had music lessons and Joyce showed an early aptitude for music, particularly for singing. He entered the Feshkjol. The National Library, as Catherine McSherry tells us, is a rich source of information about the music in the dead. The dead is so rooted in song and in music and the National Library's collections are incredibly rich in that kind of material whether it is actual sheet music, which tends to be beautifully produced from the period, um, illustrated. It was the kind of thing that people bought and had as visual material in their own homes, so you might see it sitting on a piano, for example. In terms of posters and programmes advertising the really well-known singers of the day, Joyce himself, of course, had a beautiful voice and at one time thought of pursuing a professional career. If you're trying to locate a specific piece of music in a period, there's an enormous amount of material here that helps you to do that. You can go to a newspaper and you can read about the Fesh Kjol or various singing competitions, who was singing what kind of song, who sang the Loss of Akram. You look at the programme for a musical evening and you see again where was it popular, what kind of audiences were interested in it. You can see, for example, into our manuscript collections, quite often people will have written down the words of a song, sent them to a friend, quoted from them in letters, and you get that really strong sense that music was so embedded in culture that everybody understood the references if you quoted a line from a song, everybody knew what you were talking about. It was really very much the common language that people shared. The song The Lass of Ockram was one well known to Joyce, although the song itself is also known as Lord Gregory. The original version of The Lass of Ockram is a song called The Lass of Rock Royal, which is a Scottish song. But even there, it's very hard not to recognise strong characteristics of Irish traditional song. And Scottish and Irish song do have a lot in common. Hugh Shields, who was an expert in the whole domain of ballads and ballad singing, wrote a very interesting essay on the origins of the Lass of Ockram. And he made this point that although the earliest sources are Scottish, the song was profoundly Irish in its structure. And Shields talked about a version that was recorded in the 1950s, I think, by a woman called Elizabeth Cronin in Cork, the version she sang is quite close to the version that Joyce knew. Now Joyce knew the song. He may even have sung it in public 
when in his early days he was considering a career as a lyric tenor. But he was profoundly moved by the song and said as much to Nora Barnacle. The song has enormously personal resonance for him. Elizabeth Cronin there with a more Shannos tone than the version we know today. In The Dead, Joyce makes it clear Bartel Darcy sings the song in the old Irish tonality, that the singer is both uncertain of his voice and the song a voice made plaintive by distance and hoarseness. But it was John Huston's classic depiction of the story in the 1987 film The Dead which brought the song back to public memory when the late tenor Frank Patterson took the role of Bartell Darcy opposite Angelica Huston as Greta and Donald McCann as Gabriel. Noel O'Grady, whose version of the song has been used in this series, was inspired by Patterson, and he sang the song in 15 Ushers Island when the house was restored and reopened by barrister Brendan Kilty in 2004. I saw that the door in Usher's Island was open. I knew the day that was in it was the centenary of the 16th of June, 1904. And I wandered in and I saw Brendan and there was good fear around. And I asked him, where did Bartell Darcy sing the song, what room? And I said, if you like, I said, I sing the song. And uh, if you want to ask the ladies to go on the stairwell. And, and there was something nice about it. But the sense of belonging to me and exclusion that's what came to me, those two things, and it's those two things that I think of when I sing the song. Modern 